Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take a look at this with me. Go ahead, go ahead and read that. Can you see it? All right. To trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something, or to expect something beneficial in the future. Right? So, if you were cheating, you saw a slide pop up, but how would you, how would you label that statement? One word, how would you label it? <laughs> Go ahead and say it. Hope. 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 And I'm not sure how you would define hope, but the best way to define hope, the biblical way to define hope, is a confident expectation. Think about that for a second. When you say, you know, I have hope, what you're saying is, I am confidently, I have a confident expectation. Years ago, I happened upon this definition when it came to hope. So I, used to, I used to like to preach a lot about hope. And I, I remember this definition, hope is, is, is knowing, confidently expecting, knowing that God is up to something good on your behalf. Amen. Take that in for a second. I'll say it again. Hope is knowing that God is up to something good on your behalf. I think you know this. In our society, hope is wishful thinking, Right? Well, I hope, the, I hope the report is negative. I hope, you know, that lump is it's wishful thinking, right? I hope my employer doesn't go south. I hope wishful thinking. But biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. Or in other words, we believe at our core that God is up to something good on my behalf. Now, I want you to take that in. I'm going to make a comment in a little bit, and here's the comment I'm going to make. Every once in a while, you'll say, or we'll hear, hear someone say, how in the world do people make it without the Lord? Yeah. How do they do life without God? Right? A lot of times we'll say that at funerals, you know, and you know, a loved one dies, a friend, a family member, somebody you're close to, or there's loss of some kind, and we have the Lord, you know? But we'll say about others, because we're going through it, and we'll say, how in the world do people without the Lord do life? Right? But I want to respectfully say that sometimes we as believers do life without the Lord. We have a big talk, but life comes along and really tests 
what we say. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Man, I love God. I trust the Lord. I'm on the mountaintop. And all of a sudden, life happens. And it's almost there's a whisper in our ear saying, do you still trust me? Do you still believe I'm good? You still believe I got your back? You still believe I can? Right? So life has a way of really <laughs> testing if what we believe. I, I remember saying this, my, my daughter Nicole knows this, Jason. When Donna went through her first bout with cancer, we were younger, you know, and we had younger children. And man, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I thought a couple of times, man, Lord, why? What were we, how old were you? 30, who? 36? 36 years old, four, four children, pretty large church. Why, Lord, why now? Why? And I wasn't doubting him, and I wasn't angry at him, and I wasn't blaming him. But I'll be honest with you, I was questioning him. I was. I just wanted to know. And I, and I remember going through with her and, and trying to do the best I could to be a testimony for the church, because I knew they were watching. Not to see if we would fail or fall, but they were watching because just in case they would go through it, how's my preacher handling it? Right? And you got to understand that. People are watching us because we're the people of faith. And I don't mean just me. I mean us. Right? We're the people that claim we know God, man. We're his kids. And so they're watching how we handle these things, how we go through these things. And I remember... Many times being asked this question, Donald, by, by my, my church members, especially the men that I was really close with and some of my staff, you know, when, when we were going through it and Donna got through it, they would ask this question, so preacher, what did, what did God teach you through it? What did God teach you through it? And I'll be honest, my wife has journals because she's a writer, journals, and so am I. But I summarized the lesson with this statement, God taught me that I can trust what I believe. Take that in for a second. That's deep. You'll never know if you can trust what you believe until what you, tr or what you believe is tested. Because we used to preach, I used to preach all the time about grace, and man, I'll tell you what, when you go through it, God is there, and God's grace shows up in the nick of time, and, uh, because it was always the next door neighbor who had cancer or the person down the corner, down the street, or another person. But now it's in my house. Can you trust what you believe? Yeah. And God showed himself so strong, so personal, so kind, so present, so powerful, <laughs> that when we came out of it, we were able to say, we really do trust what we believe. And our message became more passionate. And we came to understand a little bit more about this item called hope. Hope. Peter, Peter, that, you know, impetuous dude, speaks a little bit about hope. Go over to 1 Peter with me. Can you find your way there? I love the way Peter speaks about hope. We ought to do a study in 1 Peter. It's a tremendous study. But I want you to look just at a couple of verses, really just one, but look at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Christ, 
And he's writing to the strangers scattered throughout. Now, by the way, the strangers, these people weren't strangers to Peter, nor were they strangers to the Lord, but they're strangers in the area where they're living. Where are they living at? They're living in Asia Minor. They're in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And they're strangers there. Or in other, in other words, you know what he's saying? Look up here for a second. What he's saying is, I'm writing to those of you who are living like a foreigner. In a, you're an alien. You know, you think about an alien, you think about somebody from Mars. But we're aliens. This world is not our home. We're strangers. In fact, isn't it becoming a bit stranger every day? <laughs> huh? So Peter's saying, I'm writing to those of you who are finding yourselves living in communities that you feel like you just don't belong. Been there, done that? He calls them elect, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. By the way, you don't need to ever, get, ever be afraid to use the word elect or chosen. They're Bible words. Just know what they mean. And this is not a study on that. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of blood. He's really getting into some deep things with this, this group of believers. Then he says in verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a, read that next few words, a lively hope, a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, what Peter is saying here is this. We need to learn how to live in hope. Live in hope. Are you with me? And what he's saying is you need to learn how to live with a confident expectation. Or we need to learn how to live believing at our core that God loves me. God cares about me. Like I preached on Sunday morning, God gets me. He gets me. And he has my best in his heart. His best intentions are toward me. It's not wishful thinking. Someone will say, well, Dave, it's got to end sometime. Sun's got to come out sometime. Got to stop raining sometime. That's not hope. What is that? Wishful thinking. It's probably a fact the sun will come out tomorrow. You may not see it, but it'll be out. But hope is different. I want to be a blessing to you tonight. I really want you to get this. Hope is different. Hope is you and I living in such a way that we just trust that no matter what happens to us, God's got it. And the, only, and the end result is going to be good. Amen. Amen? I said this a couple of weeks ago. I was just making a comment. We were, we were I think it was, I think, Steve, you were, you were doing a devotion over in the men's uh, breakfast. And it was a great, great time, great fellowship. And we were talking about something. I, I, I don't remember all the details. But I remember this statement. I, I, I made this comment, and here's what I said to you. Here's what I said. Share this with the guys. Nobody talks to you more than you talk to yourself. Right? Think about it. The most, 
pay attention right here. The most influential voice in your head is your voice. And you heard me say this from the pulpit a few weeks back. I was talking to someone, and, and I said, so ha how's things going? And here's what the person said. I, I can't get out of my own head this week. I'm having a difficult time. I'm just not on top because I can't get out of my own head. Ever been there? You just can't get out of your own head? And the only voice you keep hearing is your own? Well, if that be the case, then we had better start speaking the right things to ourselves. And I remember saying this, I remember mentioning in that devotion about a fellow named David. Did you ever have a bad day? Yep. Hopefully it wasn't today. But you look pretty good tonight. But if you ever want to encourage yourself, read about some of the bad days of some of the people in the Bible. Jason, a couple weeks ago, preached about Job. But think about David. You don't have to turn there, it's just, just it's part of the message, but 1 Samuel chapter 30, you read verses 1 through 8, and it's amazing what takes place. I would say if we could, when we get to heaven, have an audience with David and say, David, would you share with us maybe the worst day of your life when you were on earth? He might take us to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Because what happens in that passage of Scripture, I'm sorry, 1 Kings uh, chapter 30, what happens in that passage of Scripture is David comes back from a, a campaign. You know, he was a warrior, right? And he comes back with the soldiers after a, a battle, and here's what he finds. While he was away, the enemy had slipped into camp and, 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 and just burned down their camp and kidnapped their wives and children. And so David and all his men, they come back from warfare, and here, here their camp is burned, tent, everything's burned, and now their whole families are gone. And so you know what the Bible says they did? They wept and they wept and they wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And then the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Did you hear that? He didn't get around his guys because you know what his guys were doing? Maurice, his men were kind of blaming him. You know, you take us out to go fight battles, we come home and our... So he couldn't get encouragement from somebody else. David had to encourage himself in the Lord, or he had to speak the right things to himself. Are you with me? Now, I would love to take you to 1 Kings 30 and show you what he spoke, but there's no record of what he said. But you can read portions of Scripture and find David kind of speaking to himself. For example, one of my favorite psalms, maybe, maybe a favorite of yours, Psalm 103. Did you ever read that psalm? Here's what David said. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Or in other words, you know what he was saying? And break it down. That was the fancy way. You know, take David out of his, you know, position and just say, talk to me about that. And he said, you know what I was saying to myself? Soul, you better start praising God. He's talking to himself. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he begins to list them. Hello? Isn't that awesome? We don't have time to go there. But if you read through the Psalms, I promise you this is true, you'll find repeats where you, you, you hear the words of David and he's praying or he's rejoicing or he's worshiping or, and then you read a different psalm and it's the same thing. Did you ever see that, Tony, in your studies? Same wording. I mean, maybe a different word, but it's the same thought, same idea. And then you read it again, maybe two or three, same thing. Why? It's kind of like, did you ever do this? Did you ever find yourself in a real situation, maybe a little anxious, and you have your go-to verses, maybe like Philippians chapter number four, be careful for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ your Lord. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good rapport, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know what David was doing? The same thing that we're encouraged to do. He just kept repeating the same thing over. He, didn't, he couldn't run to a Bible. And so whatever was in him, he began to speak to himself. That's hope. That's hope. That's you and me living in such a way that we believe no matter what we're going through, God's got this. Huh? <laughs> and, you know, he's going to get me through it. And when I get to the other side and look back, oh, I'm not going to say thank you for that, but I'm going to say thank you for what you've done through that. Look here, I'm, I don't think there's yet a bit of time, Donna, when we thank God for tumors or for breast cancer, or for anything other. You know, I don't thank God for those things, but I'm thanking God for what he did through those things because he proved himself to be faithful. So what does it look like to have a living hope? What does that look like? Well, I made up a short list for us, okay? And I don't have time to really elaborate because we're already running out of time. But I made up a short list. If you want to wait till I get, I'm going to give you five thoughts here. If you want to wait till I get to the fifth one, take a snapshot of it with your phone. Or if you're writing and you want to write them down. Or if you've got a great memory. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Sooner or later, you're going to need something you hear from this pulpit. And I don't just randomly, arbitrarily say, I think I'll talk about hope. No, I pray and say, God, what does our church need? And so somebody needs this. You know who needs this more than anybody tonight? Me. <laughs> I need this. I need to encourage myself in the Lord every once in a while. So what does it look like to live in hope? Let me give you a list. You ready? We embrace optimism. When you are living in hope, you are embracing an optimistic perspective. If I, I, I'm not going to comment on all of these, but this one I want, to, I want to just spend a moment on. When you think about, if you ever did a study on, and I don't want you to do this, 
<laughs> and I don't even want to tell you why. But if you ever did a study on negativity, right? And I'm not talking about whose face pops into your mind or, you know. But if you ever did a study on negativity, you would find out that negativity is broken down in categories. And one of the major categories of negativity is called having a negative filter. Did you ever hear that terminology before? A negative filter. Now, I'm going to just tell you right up front, I have, I possess a negative filter. I do. What do you mean by that? Okay, here's what I mean by that. Take Mike here. Mike and I are friends. I text Mike today. I don't hear back from Mike for three or four days, and guess what I think? He's mad at me. What did I do? How, how, how did, you know, what did I say now? That's a negative filter. I remember, I remember when I was raising the kids, and they started, you know, to become a little bit more independent, and, you know, they got their, their driver's license, and, and I would, man, I was a nutcase. Right, Nick? I was a nutcase. And so, if you were supposed to be in at 9 o'clock, and it was 9.01, trust me, state police was called. <laughs> and why? Well, because they got an accident. They got lost. They got negative filter. Negative filter. Negative filter. Negative filter. Negative filter. Uh, Pastoring has created in me a negative filter because every time the phone used to ring, by the way, when you're a pastor, your phone rings at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's not a member saying, hey, preacher, everything good? I'm praying for you. Can I drop you off a pie? <laughs> no, usually 3 o'clock in the morning, preacher, we're headed to the hospital. And I've gotten phone calls at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget one that I got. It was from a frantic wife telling me that her husband had just been shot. He was a police detective in the, in the city of Philadelphia on his way home from work, 2 o'clock in the morning. It was during the time when it was kind of, they would bump your car, you know, and they would get out and then rob you or whatever. And so he was heading home, stopped at a red light. Uh, two guys bump his car. He gets out. They jump him, take his service revolver, and shoot him right, and they shot him right here. It was only the grace of God that it didn't go to his heart. And kill him. His wife called me. It was two or three o'clock in the morning. Jumped out of bed, ran to the hospital. I mean, I never seen so many police officers in all my life. And in the midst of it was his broken family weeping and crying. You know what that produces, Donald? A negative filter. Because now every time that phone rings, guess what I'm thinking? The other shoe just dropped. Who, who's sick now? Who, who got shot now? Who? Are you with me? The only way to defeat or the only way to embrace optimism is 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verses 4 and 5, where we bring every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Are you with me? Huh? And then you just got to, you just got to, and I can give you several others, but I, I got to move on. Uh, you just got to train yourself. Maybe we'll spend a little more time on this next week, but just train yourself to think the right things. You may not believe this, and it's okay if you don't, but I promise you this is absolutely fact, that, that there's many nights when I just wake up. It's called a, ha it's called a heptic, um, oh, I want to say trigger, but it's not, uh, a, a heptic jerk. And I don't talk, I'm not talking about a person named... <laughs> 
It's a haptic jerk. Look it up. It's, I'm telling you, it's true. Right, Mike? And you know what happens? It's just something that wakes you up. And when I'm really stressed out, mostly because of the ministry, I get these haptic jerks and I just wake up. And I can't fall back asleep. And during those periods of time, my mind is going 10,000 miles an hour. I'm building buildings. I'm repaving parking lots. I'm counseling people. I'm thinking about what somebody told me yesterday, what I got to deal with next. And so you know what I do? I promise this is what I do. I begin to exercise my, my, my breathing. I feel better already. It's amazing what a deep breath will do for you. And then I begin to quote scripture over and over. And I have my go-to verses. And one of them is, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, see how quick I just spitted that out? Because I use it all the time. Huh? And, and I just keep doing that, and all of a sudden, I'm sleeping. And maybe an hour later, I'm up again. And it's all because, Maurice, I can't get out of my own head. Are you listening real good? <laughs> How do you live in hope? I tell you, you, you embrace optimism. But the only way to do that is to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. That's the only way to do it. All right, I got to give you the rest of the list. Live with purpose. You live in hope when you live with purpose. I am here on purpose. I know why I am the pastor of Open Bible Baptist Church. I know why I'm the husband of Donnie and Izzy. I know why I, I'm living with purpose and meaning. Right? Uh, be open to change. Don't choke. Don't choke right there. I'm not sure we, why we struggle at such a level with change. Huh? I was talking to Woody just a little bit ago. And you know what Woody told me? And I, I, Woody, I'm going to take your advice. He said, don't get old. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. And I know what you're thinking. You're already old, Pastor. <laughs> don't get old. But guess what comes with age? Change. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I know a lot of foolish old people. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, life itself brings change, right? The only way to live in hope is to be open to change because God is trying to do something in our lives through whatever it is we're going through to change us into the image of Christ. He loves us too much to leave us like we are. Isn't that right? And so be open to change. I can say a lot more about that, but we, we need to move on. Spread hope to others. When you live in hope, you spread hope to others. I like being around positive people. I really do. I don't like being around wet blankets. You know what a wet blanket is? You know, we walk out and say, man, Dave, isn't it nice out? Yeah, nice. Who are you kidding, man? I was out there for four hours. I was sweating my, my brains out. <laughs> okay. Huh? i never forget, we used to have a lady in our church, Mike Malone's grandmother. Mike Malone's Margaret. Her name was Margaret, right? Mike told me, Mike was a dear friend of mine, staff member, and he reminded me, never ask my grandmother how she's doing. So one day I happened to call his home. Grandmom answered, hey, Margaret, how you doing? That's just a phrase. I don't really want to know how you're doing. 
just being nice. And guess what Margaret did for the next 15 minutes? Told me how she was doing. I'm soaking my bunion in this pot. I got my elbow in this bowl. I got... Huh? So now when I speak to Margaret, I say, hey, Margaret, sure nice to talk to you. Is Mike there? <laughs> you know? I, I don't know about you, but I like... I don't ever want to leave a conversation. I don't want to leave an environment where them people are feeling like they need a bath or they need a nap or they've just been dumped on. I just, right? I mean, life is too short and there's too much negativity out there for you and I to produce it, you know? And so be somebody that spreads hope to others and then develop resilience. Does develop resilience. I got a couple minutes. Yesterday, Monday, uh, Monday, Monday, I spent the morning, in fact, I spent a good part of my day with Dr. George Riddell. And we were, we went down to try to help a small church in another town together and had lunch together. And we had a 50, 50 minute ride there and a 50 minute ride back. And so we swapped war stories. He's pastoring, you know, for 100 years. I've been pastoring for 50 hyperbole, 150 years of pastor. We got some war stories, but I wasn't really, I wanted to hear his. And so I was kept asking questions about, you know, blah, blah, blah. and man, you know, he's just telling me his stories and telling me, and all I kept on thinking about John was, this guy's resilient. Yeah, he's crazy, but he's resilient. <laughs> and I asked him one question. And I said, so share with me about this. And he said, you know what? I don't remember. I said, okay, you can forget it. I, I get it. But guess what he did today? He called me up and said, hey, you remember that question you asked me? I said, I do. He said, I asked my wife, and she gave me the answer. <laughs> and so he told me what the answer was. But I thought to myself, he's resilient. And when he, when he told me this story, and I don't know, maybe, honey, you might remember this because you were here for a long time. When he told me this story and how he had to take a stand, Here's what I said to him. I said, Doc, had you not taken that stand, I would not be pastoring this church today because you'd have left and I would have never known you and I would have never been. So why in the world did you take that stand? <laughs> no, and that's not what I said to him. But you see how, how it works? You develop a resilience. That's what living hope looks like. But you know, there's always the flip side of the coin, right? And I'll speak about this next week. What, what, what's it look like when you live without hope? Well, you have a pessimistic outlook. I'll talk about it next week. You lack, you lack motivation. You start to feel overwhelmed. You might attempt to live isolated. You don't want to be around anybody. And you spread negativity to others. Huh? Go and take a picture of it. I promise you we'll jump back on this next Wednesday night. Hope's important. Look at this Bible verse. Now, the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in. But wait, what's hope? Hope is believing that God is up to something good on my behalf. <laughs> right? So he wants us to abound, abound in hope. I mean to tell you, just, just keep believing that God is up to something good on my behalf. He is. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us, and He cares about us. 
He cares greatly about us. Aren't you glad? Let me just give you one, one thought, and I'm finished. Say, preacher, just, I can't wait till next week. Give me something. Listen carefully. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. Tomorrow's fearful for everybody. Right? Where are you right now? What do you possess right now? Don and I, just over the last couple of days, have just been rejoicing on how how good God's been to us. He's just been so good to us. It's unbelievable. And we just rejoice in that because we know we don't deserve it. And over and over, he just keeps blessing us and showing himself strong. And, and man, I tell you, there's, I admit it all the time. You know, I, I, we were talking about something yesterday. I said, I don't have your faith. I don't have your faith. I, I look at everything, you know. And it's true because I want God to know it. So you know what I told him this morning? I said, God, I got to be honest with you. I know I've been dancing around this thought. I'm just going to tell you like it is. This is really how I feel. And you know, after I said that, he said, well, I'm glad you finally admitted it. (laughs) Huh? Just live in the moment. God's got you. He loves you. Whatever you're going through, he knows all about it. Right? And if it produces a living hope, a confident expectation... Yeah, lesson learned. It's all good, right? Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.